Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's really controversial about this christening is that members of the public are a little bit concerned that they're not actually going to get to see Archie. And the fact that we haven't seen the two brothers together in any kind of setting represents the fact that there is some unrest there. There has clearly been a falling out. There are a lot of leaks from institutions like the Royal Family, and those leaks have some truth about them. Hi there, and welcome to New Idea Royals. It's the only podcast that reveals what really goes on behind palace doors. I'm Zoe Burrell, and today we will be talking all about the preparations for Archie's christening, Prince William's touching gesture, and Charlotte's big milestone. Joining us today to share her amazing knowledge is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Hi Zoe, how are you? Good, how are you doing Angela? Nice to see you back in Australia. I know, I've just been in uh, in the royal part of the world, which um, to be honest, everyone's talking about the royals over in London. It's uh, it's really interesting. I caught up with a few friends who are journalists and royal commentators and got a lot of inside info actually. It was was quite interesting. Very exciting. More of which later. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, to begin with, preparations are well underway for Archie's christening this weekend. What can you tell us about it, Anne? Well, it's happening this Saturday. It's interesting because a lot of the normal, you know, the sort of um, usual christening things are happening. The same Honiton lace gown that uh, George, Charlotte and Louis wore, that was, of course, remade. It was based on a, a Victorian design that hundreds of royal babies had, had worn and now it's been remade. Um, it's going to either be at St George's Chapel or a private chapel within Windsor Castle. Uh, we don't quite know which yet. Um, the font is a, a – the lily font, it's uh, been in the royal family for decades. That will be used water from the River of Jordan. But what's really controversial about this um, christening is that uh, members of the public are a little bit concerned that they're not actually going to get to see Archie oh, no. or the, see the couple going to the christening. There's all um, likelihood that they will release a picture of baby Archie mm-hmm. um, afterwards. The argument being that he is a private person. He's not a work. He's not going to be a royal uh, working royal. He doesn't have a title. He's not a lord or a prince. And uh, the feeling with uh, Meghan and Harry is that that means that he can have a more private occasion. As we know, christenings are always private. We don't get to see inside what happens. But what we've tended to see with the Cambridge children is seeing them coming to and from the church. When Charlotte was uh, christened in Sandringham, we saw them walking to the church with that lovely old pram and with um, George alongside her, um, that sort of thing. There's an expectation we won't get those sorts of pictures this time. Who knows, though, because as we know, before the royal uh, baby was born, we were told we weren't going to get this and we weren't going to get that. In the end, Harry came out and gave a press conference. Then a couple of days after the birth, of course, the couple came out themselves with the baby. I think that they they come out and say we're going to get very little. And then what happens is that we end up getting a little bit more than expected. And they've sort of got this pattern of setting it up that way. In the meantime, though, lots of royal commentators have, have got up in arms about the fact largely that 
$4 million in Australian dollars of taxpayers' money has been spent on building Frogmore Cottage. Oh, gosh. Um, and that if you're going to spend taxpayers' money on building your house, then you kind of have to give a little bit back. Exactly. So show your baby sometimes. So um, <laughs> I, um, I, I kind of tend to agree with the people that are saying that. And I also see the other side of the coin that, that Harry does want and Meghan do want their child to grow up with a relative degree of privacy. Yeah, I definitely understand that. But we all love seeing those interactions with the kids and the families when they're and going into the christening, don't we? Oh, we do. And wouldn't you agree that the Cambridges have actually done it really well? Mm. They've they've seemed to maintain their children's privacy and yet we see regular photos. We saw Charlotte when she started nursery school and Kate took ownership of those uh, pictures by taking them herself, releasing them herself. And, of course, Harry and Meghan are going down that line as we saw from the Father's Day picture, but it was an interesting picture that invited lots of speculation because half of the baby was concealed and it was all just a little bit more smoke and mirrors than we've seen with the Cambridges. <laughs> was, Everything was, is very it? straightforward with the Cambridges. Here's a picture of our baby. You're going to get one twice a year. Here's the christening. We're, here we are on Trooping the Colour. We're very straightforward. Mm. They've set a tone for straightforward, generous, reasonable. And I think if you don't do that, that's why Kate and Megan are looking a little bit, sorry, um, uh, Megan and Harry are looking a little bit more, not, not shifty and shady, but sort of um, doing it their own way. And I think the Cambridge model's really working and I think they'd do well to take advice from them as to how they um, deal with the media because I think the Cambridges are doing it in excellent fashion. They are, aren't they? Mm. Do you think it's going to sort of be an ongoing issue, though, oh, with Megan What do you think? Harry? I think it really is. <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think we're going to – they clearly want to operate in a way of showing their difference. And I think – look, I thought there was nothing more telling than the couple, both couples breaking away from the Royal Foundation – in my view, that didn't necessarily have to happen. They could have kept that structure in place and operated very lightly out of it and while at the same time having their respective um, interests. I think that speaks volumes about actually what's going on behind the scenes, that they felt that they had to dismantle that foundation that was so pivotal in the work that they were doing. And I think that suggests that they really do see themselves in, in different roles. Obviously, um, William and Kate and their family are going very much down the dutiful line and Harry and Meghan are, you know, the more global ambassadors. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but when you when you do things that sort of are very pointed and um, and where I think where we saw some competition really between their social media accounts and that sort of thing, now that has to be handled expertly. You know, this isn't a corporation. This is the royal family. It's, it's a centuries-old institution and how it handles itself in the 21st century is very, very important. And I don't think – I think we're seeing – a far too individualistic approach to how things are handled. I think it should be more collective and I think that there should be all, you know, they're allowed to be individuals, They, but they are part of the same brand and that there has to be a cohesion in the way that they deliver their messages, the way that they operate. Um, and I think it's foolhardy to think that people will not uh, raise eyebrows if it's done any other way. Yes, I know. It'll be interesting to see where they sort of take it in the future, I think. Yeah, I think I, 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 we're going to be talking about yeah. this for years. I, <laughs> I can see a lot of unrest and conflict ahead. There's too many big personalities in this. 
number one being Megan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, going back to Megan and Harry and little baby Archie, mm. uh, we've heard that there's been some issues with their nannies. Yeah. And I don't know, what, look, there's been talk that they've lost three of them already. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think what's probably happened that they've had a sleep nurse or a uh, night nanny, that sort of thing to get them through those early stages. And then of course, you know, they're working out, they're probably trialing who works with their family, that sort of thing. I mean, it, you don't instantly... Um, it's a very important pivotal position, as we know, with the Cambridges and Maria Borello and how important she is to that family, as other nannies have been. You know, Charles and um, Diana, they're the nannies they appointed. Um, Tiggy, who was, um, the you know, sort of a companion to William and, and Harry, was incredibly important in their lives. So I think to expect them to just get the, the right person straight off is is a big big call. They also need someone that's obviously going to travel with them to South Africa later this year when they make that trip there. So I think the thought that they've lost three nannies, I don't think that's probably the case. I think they're just probably in that stage, as I say, where you know, you, you get some sleep advice from one person, you might get a um, lactation consultant from another, and it, it could be all sorts of things going on. But we do know that they are suffering tiredness. I think when they were out at the baseball, the, there was some mention that um, that they hadn't had a, a very good night's <laughs> sleep recently, which is the case with all very the babies. Very yeah, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> It is. So I, I don't think we should read too much into that. That is. That said, they did lose a number of members of staff, obviously following their wedding. So it's it's one of those things I think people will forever be watching. Oh, isn't it just? I'm sure there'll always be gossip about that mm. going around. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you got back from the UK. So I'd love to hear all of your gossip oh, you brought back. It's really interesting. I was caught up with a few friends that are in the industry, actually. And um, I thought it was, we were talking a bit about Fergie and Andrew getting married whether or not that was going to be a thing. Oh, yes. And, um, We've been hearing about that for a long time, yes, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, and the, the inside story on that is that that will definitely not happen and, <gasps> unless Prince Philip dies because he can't stand her apparently and that, um, you know, he calls her the redhead and sees her as a, as a bit of trouble. Um, but they are very close. The other thought thing that, I, and I know that we reported on this, was that that line going around from Prince Philip, which I absolutely loved, which was um, – um, he had said uh, to Harry or to someone in the royal family that actresses are not for marrying, actresses are for stepping out with, which I, I think is a very telling line. Um, Isn't it just? The general feeling is, and you know, when you when we're talking about the royals, the big question always is, is this true? Is it true that there is some division in between Harry and William, and a lot of a lot of the conversation about that. Generally, the feeling is that, yes, there must be, because the things like the Royal Foundation, the fact that we haven't seen the two brothers together in any kind of setting is, you know, it, it represents the fact that there is some unrest there. There has clearly been a falling out. As we know, and this is really what we can only go by, is that in years, in the Diana Charles years, there was a lot of things happening and people were asking at the same time back then, was this happening? Was she having a relationship with James Hewitt? Was he with back with Camilla? It all came to be true. You know, the, the, there is always a sort of kernel of truth and then it obviously gets lost in the gossip and, um, you know, the Chinese whispers of these sorts of things. But generally there's a kernel of it and I think there is definitely something wrong with that relationship between William and Harry. We would have seen them together otherwise. We wouldn't have seen the breakdown of the Royal Foundation. So there is a kernel of truth in this. Where it goes, the depth of it, how they overcome it, I think is what remains to be seen. Yeah, it's such a shame. It I is. know we loved seeing them all together. Well, we also, a... that seemed so positive, didn't it? And, you know, a yeah. lot of people will say this is a, this is a, 
um, the media just ca- cannot stick with one single story, and so we have to have the ebbs and flows of a story, and things have we have to bring in our own conflict. I can see that argument that the media is an ever-evolving institution that needs to have new material to run on, but you can only run on the material what's there and what you see and what is you know that there are a lot of leaks from institutions like the royal family, and those leaks have some have some truth about them, and that's where stories build from. So I think to just say, oh, it's the media; they just want, you know they just want a bad story to follow a good story. That in part is true, but there's also some truth. There has to be some truth in it for, for there to be um, this depth of knowledge and um, and the consistency of the rumours around it, I think, and, and actually the decisions the two have taken themselves. If you look at it, they've split their social media accounts. They've split where they operate from. So that now the Sussexes operate from Buckingham Palace and the, and the Cambridges from, from, from Kensington Palace. You can explain this in a way as a natural evolution, but it's also very pointed in so much as they are very much going in different directions. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Without wanting to be negative about it. Yeah. And in other news, though, I know at Trooping the Colour, there was lots of speculation about Meghan wearing a new ring. What mm. can you kind of tell us about well, that? Some details have emerged, haven't well, they? Well, I know, and it's really interesting because that ring was it came out and it was a, it was a push present that, you know, that very American tradition of you have a baby, or the very Kardashian style, you have a baby <laughs> so you get a present. Obviously the baby's not enough on its own. I never got a push present. Um, I know, <laughs> that's okay. Um I this ring is apparently not a push present. This is a ring to mark the fact that they had been married for a year, which of course happened uh, just a couple, you know, sort of ten days after baby Archie was born. Mm. That marked the first year of their wedding. It's a it's a sort of you could call it an eternity ring, and we saw that there was little diamonds on the outside of it, but underneath it, according to insiders, it's a um, it's by an American jeweler, and inside are third. So in this. So if you imagine a ring and the skin touching the inside of the ring, on that part of it, there's three tiny little stones. And one is um, the, the birthstones of Harry, Meghan and Archie. So oh, there's a so sapphire for, for Harry, uh, peridot for, to mark uh, Meghan's birthday, and then a, a little um, emerald to mark uh, Archie's birthday. So presumably if they have more children, she'll have to have little you know, f- further stones added. But I quite, I really like that idea. I, people get really upset about her rings and that has she changed the band on her wedding ring and blah, blah, blah. I actually think they're allowed to, you know, that they're allowed to have personal preferences too. Just because, Aren't you know, they? you get given something, <laughs> you might prefer the band another way. That's, you know, that's fine. Oh, yes, I would definitely want to say in all of my jewelry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I agree. So I think that the fact that, you know, ooh, has she remodeled it? Well, so what if she has? You know, it's fine. I, but I, I do like looking at their jewellery. I really loved, I loved, loved, loved Kate stepping out this week wearing a pair of accessorised earrings. So accessorised is like this high street brand that nothing in the shop is over about $25. Um, and um, they were the, just, I just loved it. Here we were, we were talking about Megan's, you know, highly expensive ring and then Kate steps out on these cheapy earrings. And I just, I, I don't know, there's something about... I don't think it's deliberate. I don't think it's kind of comparing. And, of course, we shouldn't compare, but it did make me laugh. But she didn't have any bracelets or necklace on, just these cheap I earrings. That. So yeah, I like it. down to earth, isn't it? Just well, what it's so we nice to think you can have the earrings that a princess is wearing. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm sure they all sold out. Yeah, I <laughs> no imagine doubt. so too. Yeah, it's the only thing that anyone can afford. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and of course, sort of going on to the Cambridges, we know that Prince William made a surprise appearance and it's really touching this it story, was. isn't it? was. I know. I was doing television and um, it just happened, actually. We, we talked about it because it just happened a couple of hours earlier. This doesn't really happen very often. So what happened is that um, it was Diana's birthday um, on the 1st of July and uh, as happens every year, well wishes step out, uh, particularly outside Kensington Palace because um, if you remember when she died, that's where all the flowers were put and I worked just across the road from there at the time and that scent and vision of those flowers is something I'll never forget. But now every year, well wishes come and they gather there and – just seven o'clock at night, and, and it's very light in the UK at the moment, obviously, because it's the middle of summer. Out comes William, stands talking to people who come every year for a good seven minutes. And I was, I was thinking, it's really funny. You know, did he just look out the window and say, "Oh, hang on, Kate, can you just put my spag bowl in the microwave <laughs> while I just go out and have a chat to these well wishes?" But like, how lovely! It's unscripted. We didn't know mm. it was going to happen. He went out. There's people that go there every year. One of them asked about the statue in Kensington Gardens that's being planned, and they had a discussion about that. And um, you know, William's genuinely touched that people remember his mother, and to just pop out in a blue shirt and some chinos when, you know, he's, it's the middle of family life that school holidays have just begun. Though we would have could... loved if he popped out in pyjamas. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. relaxing at or home. Or gym kit or something. I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they're a bit, um, I know sometimes, if, oh, yes, pyjamas would be good. Um, but I loved it. I loved the fact that clearly it was one of those things where he just thought I'm going to do this. And I think it's a measure of his mother, really. You know, she was the person that stepped out and t- spoke to people. And sometimes we see William as the less impromptu, spontaneous one of the two. Harry's the one that, as we know, has been very spontaneous in the past. <laughs> but I like the notion that, you know, that, that William is a dutiful, will be a dutiful king like the Queen and we imagine Charles will be, but he'll also be a, a caring king. And I think that's, you know, he's spoken obviously about his mother's death. He spoke very recently about it and ha- he can see people who have, he can see it in their eyes, people who have lost um, a parent. Um, I think he's, you know, a very intuitive man and uh, par- partly his mother, partly the fact that his wife, you know, comes from a very solid and stable family. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's Seems to be a tremendous person. Yes, I know. I thought it was very touching mm. that he did that. Mm. It was. It was gorgeous. Yeah, and of course we know that Kate has been back out gardening again, hasn't I she? I know she's the, <laughs> the cleanest gardener I've ever seen. Have you oh, seen? Yeah, I know. And how those, she does it in those wedges, those beige wedges. How is that? Why is she not wearing flats or a pair of thongs or something? Every time I know. she steps out, I'm thinking <laughs> I'm worrying about those wedges. I'm thinking how many pairs does she have? Do you think? Because you know, you know what wedges are like. You get exactly. a bit of a bit of dirt on those. Es- Drilly bits on the bottom, and you know, then you'd be scrubbing them for days, wouldn't you? They always look perfect, though. So. <laughs> she does, I know, I know. And she's sort of so tall and elegant. You think, you know, have you have you really got dirty? But anyway, she has. She loves this garden clearly. So she, the garden that she showcased at Chelsea Flower Show has been transported to Hampton Court Palace, which is a beautiful. Um, last time I was in the UK, I visited um, with my kids, and it's a gorgeous place to visit. It's a really, um, it's an old palace that Henry VIII spent a lot of time at, beautiful gardens, walled gardens, um, amazing, amazing palace. In fact, I once went to a, when I worked um, for newspaper, we once had our Christmas party at this place. And it's 
it's on a on the River Thames. It's beautiful. Anyway, she's transported this uh, the garden. It's double in size now, and not just has she opened it there for more people to enjoy, um, not just the sort of people that can afford to go to the Chelsea Flower Show, but but kids on school holidays and that sort of thing. So she had a whole bunch of little kids, and she was showing them the insects, and you know they were. She was explaining that Prince George had actually suggested the stepping stones um, across oh, the really? little That's pond. So it was cute. his idea to have stepping stones. So she's talked a lot more about that. I love the way she really believes, and I think this is very important, particularly in a country like the UK where kids do spend a lot of time inside, is she really believes that nature and spending time outside is really good for early childhood development. And she's carving out a sort of niche um, profile and portfolio in this area where she speaks a lot about early childhood development. It's clearly important to her. It's instinctive. You can see she loves not only your own kids, but other people's kids. She crouches down. She's sort of got that real Princess Diana factor when it comes to children. I can clearly see it's going to be her area, you know, and and I can feel each of the the royals defining their areas, and I think that's hers. Um, So lovely, and lovely that all that planting just doesn't get, you know, tossed out at the end of the Chelsea Flower Show. Nice to see that it's (laughs) recycled. In fact, Britain, that's one thing I'd say, they've really got on board with um, plastics, water, straws. I mean, we know the Queen obviously um, banned plastic straws. Um, I've always, whenever I've visited, I've sort of thought, oh, God, they're so backward in so many things. But in terms of um, environmentalism, there's a real, real sense of progress there. So. Led wow. by the Queen, obviously. Yeah, After- so we'll have to follow in those footsteps, uh, exactly. I think, won't we? We will. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, of course, mentioning Kate and how great she is with kids, we know that it's Princess Charlotte has a special milestone coming she up. She does. So she finishes nursery school this week. It's it, When I was over there, um, all the kids were finishing up schools and nursery schools. And, of course, she'll go to big school um, when uh, school resumes in – it'll be late August, early September. So she'll go to the same school as as Prince George. Um, very confident little girl, as you can see whenever we see her. But, um, obviously, it's a real sign that their family's galloping along, isn't it, that now two of the kids will be at school. So love. Lovely for them, and then we've um, and then obviously Louis and I've got all bets on another baby there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm expecting a pregnancy announcement by the end of the year, but could obviously be wrong, and it might be another one. Might it might be Eugenie or Zara? Could be someone exactly. else. But anyway, my, my money's on Kate for a fourth. <laughs> but they're all growing up so quickly. I, I know. can't believe it. <laughs> I know, but it's good. We I just love seeing the pictures of their little kids. They're so you know they're so adorable. The Tyndall kids are particularly cute, I think, and. Um, yeah, and I like the way they share them. I, I'm really excited to see what picture we might get of Archie's christening. I think it's the, you know, he'll be two months old. A baby looks quite different at two months oh, than it does um, as a newborn. Um, so we'll we'll just have to wait and see. And I th- I'm f- very positive that they will respond to all the interest in them with a lovely series of pictures. Oh, well, I have my fingers crossed for that. So. <laughs> Looking forward to this weekend. Indeed. Uh, Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Angela. Thanks, Zoe. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au or our Facebook page, New Idea Royals. And, of course, don't forget to check out our latest Royal Mini Mag in the current issue of New Idea. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.